Good morning, everyone. We are going to burn the internet down today because we are going to talk about one of the sacred cows in the health, fitness, and wellness industry, the carnivore diet. And is it good for you? Maybe I don't if know you're if asking, it's sacred, Jim. Do you think it's sacred? I think to some people it's sacred. In some circles, it's it's very sacred. That that I've literally argued with people that all humans should eat like this. There's no other way to eat. Um, like if you don't eat like the carnivore, like you, that's it. Like that's that's the only way humans can eat. Mm-hmm. As a strength and conditioning coach, I'm kind of trained not to be married to one way of doing things. You know, I'll give a specific example of. You know, I came from like West Side barbell background, powerlifting background. And in the mid 2000s, I had a basketball team that I worked with, a very prominent basketball team in Kentucky. And if you go to these high schools, the football team gets the weight room. So we could never get in the weight room. We had no equipment, zero equipment. And here I am, like, if I was married to powerlifting or married to a certain type of training, I wouldn't be able to yeah. work with them. We were able to do body weight stuff. We used some of my old wrestling things, piggyback drills. We, we did really short sprints, you know, getting these guys moving in different ways. We went and found weird things to carry and, and weird things to do. We, we, we found some wheelbarrows. We did wheelbarrow, peep, you know, rides. We did all sorts of stuff. And we got some really great results with these kids. If I would have been like, ah, oh, you know, squats and deadlifts are the only way you can get better. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to do anything. And and I think for me personally, and I also use the observation, right? Yeah. Working with clients and seeing what's working, seeing what's not. I think the carnivore diet is a great reset for some people. I think mm-hmm. there's very few people that are going to be able to eat that way for like forever, particularly yeah. if, they want, if they want to drive performance. But um, we'll get your kind of thoughts on this. But um, I, I, I just, if you look at, traditional cultures diets change at the seasons mm-hmm. diets changed according to their environment when they didn't have stores you kind of had to eat was in your local environment and one of the the side effects of having this modern society i mean i don't think without modern technology refrigeration and you know being able to fly foods around the world you would you would actually the vegan lifestyle is really unobtainable unless you live in the tropics um in the modern world so That's there you go go, yeah. go for it so the, the 50,000 foot view of this topic in the medical world <clears throat> is really that people have tried everything and you just have to go back and bother reading the history to know what's really going on. When you work with, um, well, when, you've, when you really dive back into the people who really experimented with a lot of different diets, you'll find some really interesting things. Probably the best single case study in this would be the work of a guy named Nicholas Gonzalez, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez. He was an MD. I knew him shortly before he passed. He worked only with terminal cancer patients. And one of the things about a terminal illness is that if what you're doing works, you're going to find out because you're going to beat the prognosis. If you take a healthy person and you put them on the carnivore diet, you put them on the keto diet, you put them on the vegan diet, you put them on the vegetarian diet. Oftentimes they may feel different, but they don't won't necessarily feel better or worse because they have what, what you call metabolic flexibility, which I think is a great term for it. They have a significant nutritional reserve. 
So they stop, say, eating something like B12 and they don't just have their B12 levels drop through the floor, right? And so what Nick found, and it wasn't just Nick, he worked off of the work of a dentist named, uh, I want to say it was Donald Kelly, who had a terminal cancer and followed a specific diet and working off of the work of a guy named Max Gerson, who was another doctor who used uh, nutrition in terminal cancer cases. Uh, he determined that he needed a very specific diet, which was almost vegan to recover. And then he put together this system of figuring out what di different diets people needed. And both he and Gonzalez after him found that different people had different requirements based upon a combination of their testing procedures, which I believe, if I recall correctly, had to do with hair testing. So they might take 10 people and put one of them on a carnivore or nearly carnivore diet. Some of those people would have a certain amount of cooked food. Others would have a certain amount of raw food. They would take other people and put them on a vegan or near vegan or vegetarian diet with also different proportions of ambient noise coming through jam. Yeah. Yeah. We shoot these live in the backyard, and that means that sometimes there's um what do you call them? Ron Moores and weed whackers and stuff. So what they found is that these differing diets actually did work and that what they needed to do was figure out which diet the patient needed. And they also added a lot of supplements to that and things like that. But you'll see that people have differing requirements and differing needs for different nutrients that they do better or worse on different diets. And you have to remember that I like to say that no physician treats the same patient twice uh, because they're, they're never the same patient twice. You're all, you're a dynamic system. And that's one thing that people get stuck in. They think I'm allergic to this. I'm allergic to that. I can't eat this. I can't eat that. I have to eat this. I have to eat that. That changes over the course of your life. It can change day to day, week to week, month to month. It can be very dramatic how much someone's requirements for any given thing, whether it's a nutrient, physical exercise, sleep, how much they can change depending upon the conditions. And a lot of that we can manipulate with supplements, peptides, drugs, hormones, all these different things. So, you know, when people say, oh, the carnivore diet cured all of my ails, ills, whatever you call it, I'm not surprised. And I want to give a couple of clear reasons for why I think this works for a lot of people, at least for a period of time. So number one, it's a radical elimination diet. There's no, and, and this depends on how you do it, right? Because carnivore, you know, let's call strict carnivore, only animal products, meats, organ meats coming out of land animals. Um, that's a very different diet <clears throat> than say a, a carnivore diet that includes fish, that includes shellfish. You're going to have much higher loads of things like selenium and manganese and copper. If you're eating fish and shellfish in this diet, uh, depending on how much beef liver you eat as well. And that's another thing, right, is that people can be eating a strict carnivore diet with only organ meats and skeletal muscle meats. But if one person is eating more beef liver than the other, they may have, you know, 100 or 200 or 300% difference in how much copper they're getting in their diet. And that's very different. When you have a more liberalized template, and you might include tree nuts or seeds or fruits or honey or other things like that, again, that's a totally different nutritional template. 
So people have this idea of, oh, well, I did this and it worked for me. Execution is everything. Details matter. You can't just say, oh, well, I'm going to try the diet my buddy tried and it'll work for me. You got to be really specific about, well, what diet is that and what does it include and disinclude and in what quantities? Because quantities matter too. You know, one ounce of beef liver a week is not the same as three or four ounces of beef liver a week. These are very, very big swings in someone's copper load not to mention B12, B6, folate, other vitamins and minerals that are rich in the liver. And so all that matters. So number one, it's a radical elimination diet, food additives, preservatives, colorings, humectants, anti-caking agents. Um, all these things are suddenly gone from the diet. And that alone takes a huge load and stress off of the system. Even today, very few grocery stores butchers, um, uh, deli meat manufacturers are adding much to their, their meats. They do add something to their meats. I mean, in a lot of them anyway, they add nitrates, they add other preservatives, all those are bad for the record. But, you know, particularly if you're buying straight out of the butcher's case and it's raw meat, it's not going to have anything in it that's going to upset your system as far as preservatives. And that's actually very, very important. You know, one of the reasons why uh, meat's been vilified by the conventional um, medical medical gurus and experts is that meat, uh, processed meat, has so many toxic additives in it that processed meat consumption does actually have an association with shortening your life. But no one's not, been able, yeah. Not to mention that it gets you off the insane um, blood sugar roller coaster, which most... Uh, Americans are on. I mean, most Americans standard American diet combined with an indoor lifestyle leads to being on a roller coaster that has more dips and loops and twists than any ride at, uh, you know, Bush gardens, six flags, Bush gardens, wherever, right. <clears throat> wherever. So if you're watching right now, give us a like, give us a question, get, you know, tell us we're wrong. Uh, drop a comment, give us some feedback. Yeah. We love answering questions. If you want to have a question, just drop it in the comments. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I just time and time again, I, I, I look at food as, as a tool, right? And, and obviously if you're an Eskimo in the Arctic and the only choices you have is yeah. fatty fish and whales and, but even the Eskimos, they make their pemmican, they mix blueberry, they mix raspberries, they mix things into it. Right. So they're getting some different things in the, in the, in the summertime, they migrate, they, they eat some, some plant vegetable matter as well. So they're not constantly just eating, you know, exactly the same thing all the time. They, 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 they change with the seasons. Right. And, right. um, you know, Dr. Terry, uh, Terry walls who, who, who has managed her MS, uh, fairly remarkably, she was on a carnivore show and she was being pressed, you know, on all these different, you know, so-called toxins and things like spinach and, you know, uh, this and that, and this and that. And she gave the most like amazing example. She said, so your carnivore diet, you, you you avoid all these vegetables because they have these these things in them that you you deem as toxic. And she said, "Do you work out?" And they're like, "Yeah, oh yeah, we strength train." Like, do you do sauna? Do you do cold cold plunge? And she goes, "Those are all hormetic stressors, just like there's hormetic stressors in food, right? And and the, these hormetic stressors that are found in these different foods." have an effect on the body that's that in the right quantities and the right variety actually have positive side effects on the body 
not to mention delivering micronutrients and and you know also a lot of things that we eat actually are not for us they're for the critters in our gut you know combined with sun exposure um but it, it was they really were like kind of a like it was a great great analogy for them to understand it's like okay there there are stresses in our diet that are actually like positive right and especially if you're a healthy human now if you're in a really bad place and you've got you know you've got autoimmune disease you've got you know all sorts of crazy things going on you might need to simplify for a while to allow your body to heal but you know and also is is what you're eating good that's why we really like the vertical diet because it gives people so many options is what you're eating actually enjoyable? Are, are you going to want to eat testicles, liver, and, and freaking ribeyes, bacon for the rest of your life? Not me. Like, that's that's not something that I really want to do. And I want to use insulin to my advantage to build muscle mass. You know, I'm not jacking my insulin up at every meal, but I want to be able to, like, use insulin to repair from workouts. I want to use glycogen mm -hmm. so I can train really hard. Right. So I use a lot of these pull things in and out depending on what my needs are and what I want to do uh, and the foods that are that are available to me. So, I, you know, I don't really get married to one particular way of 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 eating that everyone should eat like this, you know. Oh, yeah. And on this note, um, it's interesting you bring up the hormetic stressors. I'm going to share the screen and show people some studies on this because this has actually been crossing my radar recently. So phytic acid is one of the things that people in the carnivore and plant and, and animal based uh, communities, sometimes the paleo community as well, will will just shriek about. They're like, oh, no, the phytic acid, the phytates, they're going to inhibit the absorption of this, this, this and this. And it's going to make you sick and you're going to die and you're going to be miserable and unhappy. Well, hold on. Phytic acid is a novel broad spectrum anti-neoplastic agent, which is really interesting. Does it absorption? Please, doctor, give us give us the English uh, common man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It means that phytic acid has been is being investigated for anti-cancer agents or anti-cancer activity. Right, this supposed toxin in the plants has this other sort of side to it. And they don't, I mean, I, most of these people don't talk about exactly why this is. I think it's because of this effect. So chelation of multivalent cations, that's a fancy way of saying heavy metals. So if you've got a heavy metal problem, phytic acid is one of the things that may help pull those heavy metals out of the body. And this is all over the literature. It's not a novel concept. It's also not a new concept. I mean, look at this paper. It's from 2002. And so you don't have to go very far in order to see that this has a therapeutic um, therapeutic value or, or potential therapeutic value, depending upon the case, right? This also doesn't mean that I'm telling you all, oh, if you've got cancer, go out and take a bunch of phytic acid or inositol hexaphosphate, because I can't tell anyone how that's going to work. But I've also seen you know, across my Twitter feed, people who said I started taking mega doses of this and all of a sudden my you know, insert major problem here went away, Right. So um, I was saying about the benefits I see in the carnivore diet, one, that elimination diet component. So all of a sudden, tons of things that you may be having immunological reactions to, i.e. allergies or food intolerances, they're gone, right? You may have an occult gluten sensitivity that was missed on your allergy testing. You may have an occult dairy allergy that you, you know, no one's diagnosed. You may have a sensitivity to yellow dye number 12, and you just don't know it. And who's going to find out, right? We do some more sophisticated allergy testing in the practice 
that I, I love because it gives me the convenience of, okay, here's this test and here's what you reacted to and therefore avoid that. But a lot of people can just do an elimination diet and figure that out on their own. Uh, they may not ever pinpoint exactly what it was, but they'll know that they can't eat processed foods of this kind or that kind or whatever. So there's the elimination diet component of this. Then there's the nutrient density and nutrient load. Animal products, fish products, shellfish, they're much more dense in nutrients than a lot of other foods, particularly minerals, particularly vitamins. And so when you see people switch from a diet that consisted of a lot of empty carbohydrates or frankly, empty fats, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that on a high fat diet, you actually may not be eating that much food. You may not be getting that many calories. You may not be getting that much protein and you may not be getting that much vitamin content. So we'll see that often as one of the mistakes people make on the carnivore diet. They really go to a high fat, low protein, low carb diet, and this does not work. I particularly don't see it working for people who are in extremely hot tropical or subtropical environments. They all burn out. They all tend to be exhausted after a while. I believe that they strongly, I strongly believe that they need the nutrients and plants that are growing in those latitudes in order to cope with the stress of the heat in those environments, which is exactly what, you know, traditional Chinese medicine has been teaching for, for well, and, the, and the hydration part of carbohydrate, right? Mm -hmm. You're in like Louisiana in the middle of summer and it's 105 degrees and you're working outside all day and you're not getting carbohydrates. You're going to be dumping water and that carbohydrate helps you hydrate, you know? So, um, it, you know, it's just, uh, it's crazy. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think one of the number one things we've seen, I've seen in, in my coaching and then since joining with you is like, how many women do we get that come to us and said, you know, I started on keto or I started on carnivore Tons. and, and, and they're like, all of a sudden, like it worked well for a couple months. I lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. I'm, I'm training hit. I'm lifting really hard. Uh, like my gains have slowed down. I'm exhausted all the time. Um, or one meal a day, I, one meal a day and intermittent fasting also will get our people. And, and, and my, my sleep is absolute shit. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I just don't see women in particular. I mean, men can men, you know, hang me upside down, burn me at the stake. Uh, men tend to be able to handle more stress uh, typically than women do. And women tend to when they go on really low carb diets for long periods of time, especially when they're training really hard they end up um, with massive sleep issues, you know? And so we start adding some carbohydrates in, in the evening and all of a sudden they're like, Oh man, I'm sleeping better now. All of a sudden I feel, I feel so much better. I can actually relax. They forget that, that carbohydrates actually have a calming effect. They, they, they re reduce cortisol. They help you relax. Right. And then also it also decreases your protein burden. So if you have some carbohydrates, and I'm not saying you need to go be a standard American diet person, sure. But if you have adequate carbohydrates in your diet, you don't have to eat as much protein, right? So it 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 kind of there's there's gives and takes to everything, and that's why having balance and pulling things in, pull, taking things out, changing things yeah. up according according to your performance goals, according to your health goals, you know these things are all you know moving parts all the time and, and if you get stuck in one way of doing things it, what, guess what happens when it doesn't work you know like are you so married to that that you know that ideology that slash religion 
that um, you start feeling like crap, but I'm going to die on this hill. It's like it, 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 you know, I think a lot of people have a basically a component of um, practically speaking PTSD from the illness that they've recovered from using certain diets, you know, like the, they go into the hospital for their first heart attack and then they go vegan and their, their angina, their chest pain goes away. They're feeling better. They're moving better. Their blood pressure is better. And they, they associate their life before that with that standard American diet. And for them, safety has become this new diet that they're on. And there's nothing wrong with that to be totally clear. I understand why people are anxious to change their diet. It's, it's very anxiety provoking when something's worked well for you to deviate from it. But Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And that's when, you know, a lot of people come to us saying, I really want to get healthy and well, I'm still struggling with this, that, and the other thing. I tried carnivore. I tried keto. It helped this, that, and the other thing for a while, but now I'm not getting the improvements that I really wish I were. What else can I do? And we may say, we, we think you need to incorporate more carbs. We think you need to incorporate more light. We think you need to incorporate more green leafy vegetables or vegetable juice or <clears throat> these supplements or sauna or whatever. And they say, no, I can't do that because, you know, the last time I did, I did a lot of sauna, I felt terrible. Or the last time I tried vegetable juice, it gave me abdominal pain. You know, I mean, the laundry list of, of objections people give us, we, we respect them, we understand, but we've just seen so many people do so well when they switch up their diet and they change what they're eating that, uh, I mean, it's very, very common for us to tell someone who's on a, an extreme elimination diet to, uh, to ditch that diet. So I think Jim is reconnecting right now. Turn tuned out for a second here. Jim, what's going on? Are we back? Are we back? I guess we are. I don't know, man. Everything froze up out here. I don't know what happened, but I heard uh -huh. I heard vegetable juices and uh, on the interwebs had a heart attack when you said that. So <laughs> no, I was just saying that maybe the system got old. Yeah, your your connection is terrible right now, Jim. You're cutting in and out. But honestly, I think that's enough for today. My that's my cliff notes. For yeah, I'm having no reason. I'm carnival diet right for I, people. I mean, I'm, I'm to the actual internet, internet, Ethernet, and I'm for some reason saying my connection's bad. That's really weird. But I mean, bottom it line is, it's a tool. It can be very great for people right? It's just yeah. like, don't get married to the tool, right? Because, you know, like if you're, you know, you use a road, you use a, a tiller, you know, to till your yard and you get the result that you want is, is great soil to like plant plants in. You need to move to another tool to plant the plants. You don't use the tiller to plant the plants. That's not going to work right. very well. So you got to right. start thinking about food and about training it's just like if I have somebody who, like, say, uh, is a high-level football player or baseball player, and they're like, I did this. I, this is my training program that I use to make the NFL. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're struggling. And it's like, okay, all those things that you did before were great. They got you where you are. But now the adaptations that are being driven by that training 
are actually having a negative effect on your performance. So we might have to go in yeah. and change some things and use a different tool to maybe help you move a little better because you, you focus so much on strength that it took away from your body's ability to move. So now we're going to maintain that strength, but we're going to incorporate some things that are going to actually allow you to move better. We see that happen a lot with training. They're like, uh, you know, I'm going to do this exercise. This is the exercise that, that, that solved all my problems. And until that exercise is actually becomes a negative, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, why, why is my yeah. performance going down? And then you change it up and you add something in that restores some of the, the, the movement that they took away. And it's the same thing with food, right? And, and the cool thing is, is all of this happens in nature automatically. We don't have to think about it in nature because it happens automatically. Yeah. Nature, whereas in modern life, we've created this artificial world where we can get food from all over the world at any time. And we have the, the choice of choosing what to eat. And so we've got all these camps, you know, we've got the, all you need is sun, all you need is meat, all you need is vegetables. And the answer is somewhere in the middle and it's constantly moving. I agree. And one thing I want to say too, about people who I, I alluded to previously, who, who would tailor different diets to different people. They all relied on lab testing. They all relied on some kind of objective data about the patient's state to make a determination of what they should eat and why and how much and for how long. And that meant that it was dynamic. They might, you might come back and retest and they would say, your, your state has shifted. We need, we need to change what we were feeding you. And that's what I've seen getting people great results. It's why even though you and I talk a lot about, you know, diet and lifestyle coaching and we have whole coaching programs where we don't, there's no medicine being practiced at all. And those are, I mean, great for 99% of people. It gives them FaceTime with us. We can tailor their training protocols and diet to them. They can get better results. They can get our insight without having to fly to see me as their doctor here in Florida. But at the same time, there is a real value for people getting that lab testing and understanding where they are right now as in their, in terms of their whole body and physiology. And that's one of the things that we, I do in order to tailor their nutrition and their medical programs with me, which are accessible. You can find them in the link tree. We have annual plans and then we have well, and uh, executive and concierge wellness services as well. And both of those have links in my link tree if you're interested. Yep. If you go to Stillman MD, that's the medical side. You go to Stillman Wellness, that's the, the coaching side. And if you enter your information in on either one of those sites, it'll take you and, and run you through yep. everything we, we have to offer. Mm -hmm. Um so, and that's the thing too, like some, when you're working with people, some people need to see the data. Like I'm one of those people, I have to see the data in order for me to understand, like, you know, we put stuff in chronometer for people. Like I, I was helping a friend of mine. Um, she's really struggling with not feeling well. And we put her data in chronometer. Her diet was like 60% fat, you know, 15% protein. Uh, and the rest was carbohydrates. And she works in a very hot environment outside all day potassium was literally zero um holding tons of water and it's just like you, you, she needed to see like the actual chart where all these things were out of whack for her to understand like you know i, I this this the way i'm eating is just not working for for me i've had these massive imbalances that are that are causing a lot of the issues that i'm having right and some people need to see that whether it's chronometer whether it's lab work 
And then I think one of the things people miss is intuitively knowing where you're at. Like if I haven't slept well in a couple of days or I'm under a, a ton of stress, this is not the time for me to go out and indulge in a pizza, right? Because I know that my system, that's going to be a really over the top stress for me. Like, you know, uh, but if I'm healthy and I'm in a good place and I feel great, I've been getting good sleep and I decide I want to have a pizza. Great. I'll have that pizza. I'll eat after I train. Uh, but I'm not going to throw that pizza on my body when I haven't slept and I'm under a lot of stress and I'm not in a good place. Right. So you've got to. Right. Kind of take all these things into account and standing the troughs. Right. Of of a lot of these things. Right. So like if your goal yeah. is to look a certain way or to perform a certain way, you're going to have to um, you're going to have to give up certain things like Michael Jordan, one of the best basketball players of probably arguably ever. And um, what did he have to give up to do that? I mean, he spent hours every day shooting free throws, doing basic things. Like, they don't show that part of the things that he had to give up in order to achieve that excellence, right? And so people think that there's a free lunch and, and there's, there's, there's no such thing. If, if, you're gonna, if you want to be healthy and you want to live a long time and, 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 and uh, those sort of things, you're probably not going to be like out at two o'clock in the morning on a, on a regular basis, drinking alcohol, smoking, and, you know, doing all the, all the fun things, right. You're going to have to give up some things. Right. So Amy's got a great question that we're going to touch on and then we'll sign off. So Amy says, see uh, that question? yeah, I'm, I'm getting to it. Uh, so she said she started having joint pain when she increased her protein intake. Is this common with increasing uh, meat consumption? And the answer is that this is complicated. So number one, you can technically flare gout with consumption of protein, but there's a lot of other factors that go into gout and most joint pain is not due to gout, uh, fortunately, because it's excruciatingly painful. But I mention it because it's worth noting. In addition to this, when you increase protein loads, you have to look at what's coming in along with that. So if you're going to get more sulfur-based amino acids. Those sulfur-based amino acids run glutathione synthesis. Glutathione is going to start pulling toxins and detoxifying the body. And that alone is going to create a potentially a stress uh, on your body that can trigger some of these reactions. We'll see a lot of people complain of abdominal pain with increasing protein consumption. I believe, and I have been told this by people who've got more background in hair tissue mineral analysis than I do, for the record, I have a webinar on hair tissue mineral analysis on Saturday. It's going to be really fun. We're going to talk about metals and minerals and getting people better from heavy metal toxicity with healthy food, minerals, and supplements, things like that. We call it mineral balancing. So as these heavy metals come out, lots of people have lots of different symptoms. These range from headaches to changes in their mood to abdominal pain. Uh, I've never seen joint pain personally, but I'm sure it happens. A lot of people's... Um, bodily aches and pains, whether it's muscle pain, fatigue, uh, joint pain will respond to things you do to detox the body. So I would wonder if that's what's going on. You're having a, a detoxifying reaction. Um, and then I'll tell you very uh, generally, this is not common that some people, when they change their diet, will start eat, eating a, a food that they have an, an unwittingly got an allergy to. And joint pain can be the manifestation of that. I have seen people react on certain allergy assays, even to things like meat and fish 
in ways that were very difficult to detect, but they can manifest with very odd things like abdominal pain, IBS, bloating. Uh, some people will lose weight when they cut an allergen. That's stuff that I test for in the medical practice when people are working with me uh, as their physician. So hopefully that's helpful, Amy. And on that note, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Take care. Have a great day. Jim, you want to add anything to wrap up? I think Jim's frozen again. Take care, everyone. Have a great day.